Welcome to the Draw Shops Get Genius Podcast, where we talk to today's business influencers to pick their brain and pull out their genius. It's time to get genius. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another Get Genius episode. Today, I am talking to Joe Kasherba, and Joe Kasherba is a, he actually advises and mentors other freelance web designers and digital agency owners, and he primarily focuses on how to develop and scale their business. He started his own freelance web design business in high school and turned it into a digital agency with a virtual team and uh, clients all around the world, going from charging $150 for a website up to $30,000 per website and, and even more. And um, managing six-figure digital advertising budgets for some of the largest manufacturing and construction companies. So he's got quite a bit of experience when it comes to uh, building these type of businesses. So we're going to talk a lot about how to do that, how to build uh, your your agency if you currently are doing that. And I think the thing is, is that you don't have to be a web designer or have a digital agency, but there's a lot of us that provide service, whether we have a business already or there's some other type of freelance work that we're doing. There's some really great advice on how to build that business and what to think about that you might not be thinking about. Um, We'll talk a little bit about uh, AdWords, paid advertising, uh, working with a virtual team, how to do that successfully, some project management software, uh, what I use, what he uses, um, advice for young entrepreneurs. Some of us are young entrepreneurs ourselves. Some of us, like me, have uh, children that are, are approaching that that mindset of, I don't want to work for anyone. I'm going to have my own business like you. So what kind of advice to, to give to them and, and for those that have their own businesses already? Um, there's a lot of cool strategies and, and pieces of advice that he gives that uh, I hadn't thought about, which was really cool. Um, we also talk about, you know, what it's, what it's like for, um, competition that might be, does something similar to what you do, but they're the cheaper version. Some things like that. So that kind of stuff um, was super interesting to me and I liked his, his advice on that. So make sure you listen out for that. Of course, you'll you'll learn how uh, to find out more information about him and get access to his free 90-minute webinar where you'll learn a ton more information um, even beyond this interview. So um, I hope you enjoy. Hello, Joe, and thank you so much for talking with me today. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Well, this is going to be uh, this is going to be pretty cool because we're going to talk about uh, a bunch of things that we I don't think we've talked about a ton on this podcast. So um, I'm excited to to really dive in and learn a lot from your experience, um, which um, just leading in, can you give us kind of the background of how you started your business and and what led you to do what you're doing today? Yeah, absolutely. So it started when I was uh, in high school, and my first entrepreneurial endeavor was I had a group of friends that had a band in high school, and they were playing at this one restaurant, and I I filmed them playing at the restaurant and then sold videotapes of them playing to their parents. (laughs) 
so, so that was my first entrepreneurial endeavor. Um, and then from that, I had the idea of doing a video production business and trying to get um, more opportunities for, for videography and video editing and things like that. And I never any never ended up getting any of those video production clients, but I, I figured out how to build a website for that business. And then people started coming and needing websites. And so that that video production business sort of morphed into a, a web design business in high school. Um, and then it was something I did all through all through high school and then through college on the side. And then at the end of college, I was involved in a startup company that sort of fell apart at the end of college. I was hoping for it to be my main thing after college. And so it fell apart. And then I ended up, I ended up graduating with no job lined up and no startup while all my friends were getting jobs at Amazon and Oracle and places like that. Oh, and so, wow. yeah, it was, it was sort of a, there was this is sort of, it was exciting in college. I had this startup company and like, you know, I thought I was real cool and then graduated and had nothing lined up, had to move back in with my parents and just had this freelance web design business that I had to, had to really focus on. And that's when it became a full-time thing. So when Back even before college, how did you did you teach yourself how to build websites? Yeah, actually, what what happened was my sister. I was always inter- sort of interested in programming, and my my sister got got me for Christmas a dummy's guide to programming, <laughs> and it it had like different chapters for different programming languages, and one of them had to be happened to be HTML. And so when I was trying to figure out how to build a website for this uh, this video production business I was starting to do, that's where I first looked. And so I started learning HTML from this this dummies guide that that my sister had bought me, and that's really how I started teaching myself how to build websites. Okay, and so then you were selling you were selling websites, three hundred dollar websites, and then it tell tell us that story and how you how you moved up because that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, so you know, at the beginning it was yeah, I think the I think three hundred dollars was actually the second website I built. The first one I built I charged a hundred and fifty four. Okay. Um I um but I always use the line that I, I went from selling three hundred dollar websites to selling thirty thousand dollar websites. Yeah. And you know, so at the beginning it was just, you know, a few hundred dollars and everything. And it was a slow pro- progression up and and sort of a deliberate process of, of trying to increase my prices. And it really started. Um, it really started in in college when I had I had like it was finals week or something, and I was super busy. And there was this potential client that was interested in the website, and I really didn't have time for. It. So, you know, at that time I was charging you know a few hundred dollars, and I just made up this crazy price of eighteen hundred dollars um, because I didn't really have time for the project. Yeah, and they ended up buying. <laughs> and so then I had to scramble to try to get it done and everything. But I realized then that I wasn't charging nearly enough. And so from that, I went on this sort of deliberate process of trying to increase my prices. And really, you know, it was a process of if increasing my prices deliberately and getting more and more clear about who my ideal clients are, what my specialty was, who I could help the most, um, and that kind of thing. And so, you know, I, I kept going until... You know, we've done projects as much as um, thirty, forty-five, thirty, forty thousand um, dollars, 
and that's not all of our projects. Our starting price is around five to ten thousand anymore, but we've done projects all the way up to that thirty or forty thousand uh, price point. So let's talk about that because obviously there's got to be a tremendous value for somebody to spend that much on their website. And there are many, you know, freelance designers out there. There's a lot of digital agencies out there, but what's, what's the difference? Why, what's the value that you bring that others might not be bringing? Yeah. I mean, some of it is, um, you know, targeting different people and solving their problems. So, you know, we work with a lot of, of manufacturing companies and industrial companies and companies like that that are really underserved. You know, so many people do web design or digital marketing, and they sort of try to go after the cool the cool industries or they try to go after things they think are cool. And, and what they forget is that there's all these, these sort of sort of traditional businesses out there you know, industrial companies, manufacturing companies, construction companies that make a ton of revenue and make a ton of money and are almost sort of ignored by the by a lot of the service providers because they aren't cool, if right. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was one piece. You know, targeting them was one piece. But um, a lot of it was, you know, taking the time to understand what was really going on and then coming up with a really unique solution for them. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll give an example in a second, but what a lot of people do, what a lot of web designers or digital marketers do is they, they go in and they try to sell, sort of sell people on all the cool stuff they can do. They're like, Hey, we could do all this cool stuff and responsive websites and Facebook ads and blah, blah, blah. And the business owner doesn't really care about any of that because that's just a bunch of technical jargon. Right. Um, and they're, they care about their, um, you know, their problems and what they're trying to do. And so I'll give you an example. I had, I had one manufacturing company that their problem was that they needed to take all of their product information that, and they were selling, they were selling, uh, sort of products and materials in, um, Lowe's and Home Depot and stores like that. And all of their product information was not available online or digital. And so they were they were spending a million dollars a year printing out binders to send to the different stores that sold their products. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's a million dollars a year in printing costs. Wow. So we had to figure out how could we build a, an online product catalog that pulled in information from their different warehouses and and all this different stuff and. Um, that ended up being a, about a $40,000 project. Um, and it was, it was because I took the time to really figure out what exactly they needed and how we could solve that whole thing. And, you know, $40,000, when somebody says, here's $40,000 for a website, they, that sounds like a lot. But when they realize that that's saving them a million dollars a year in printing costs, it sounds like nothing. Right. Exactly. And so that's sort of the sort of a picture of it. Yeah. So what I feel like there's a lot of, um, there are a lot of freelance designers and, and we just talked about this a little bit, but what are some of the other, you know, amongst digital agencies and people wanting to provide this service? What do you find the biggest mistakes are? Cause there's obviously a demand for it out there. 
and there's a lot of businesses out there. What what mistakes are they making in terms of them growing their business and their clientele? Yeah. So so the first one, which we started to, which we already sort of talked about, was you know figuring out sort of who to who your who your ideal clients are and what your specialty is, who you can really help. Right. Because um, so many people just have a generalist approach. I'll do anything for anybody. Um, and then that leads to competing on price and, and just commoditization and it's all bad. Um, so, so that, that's one piece. And then the second piece is, is realizing that you need to do marketing. Um, sounds kind of obvious, but so many people, so many web designers or freelancers will, freelancers will talk to me and they'll say, well, I need to get clients consistently consistently. And I say, okay, well, what are you doing on a consistent basis to get clients? And the answer is nothing. Yeah. And so if you need clients consistent, if you want clients consistent consistently, then you need to do marketing consistent. So why do you think that is? And and that's like an interesting topic as well, because, you know, there's, there's people out there that provide the really good at what they do, whether it's a service they're providing a product or something. And they don't believe that they need to put the time and the money and the consistency, like you said, into marketing. Why do you, as a fellow entrepreneur, why do you think that is? I think that, you know, cause I was, I was there for a long time. It took me a long time to figure out, Oh, I should actually do marketing. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think it's, I think one piece of it is it's just people have a total misconception about how business works. I think pe- so many people have this idea that they're just going to keep grinding along and their business is going to grow slowly over time and in 20 years they'll be rich. Yeah. And that's really not what it, what seems to happen from everything I've learned about entrepreneurship. It's It's sort of like your business doesn't work and doesn't grow until you get the marketing right and you get the service delivery right. And when you get everything right, then it can grow re- really, really, really fast. And so it's more of a sort of a stair step or exponential kind of thing than it is just a, a slow growing over time as you continue to grind. Yeah. And so I think that's a, a piece of it. And then the, I think another piece is that um, especially freelancers, service providers, they, they almost approach business um, without a business model. Like um, I see freelancers that are more – they almost – have have what I call a hunter gatherer kind of approach where they're just sort of going out and they're, if they can find some berries, they're going to pick them. If they can find a buffalo to kill, they're going to do that. And they're just trying to find any opportunity they can find to make some money. Right. Rather than saying, okay, what's, what's my business model? What am I selling? How am I delivering the services? How am I going to get the clients? What marketing am I going to do? Sort of designing a business model and building that sort of business model machine, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's that shift from thinking like a business owner that's actually going to build a business as opposed to just going out and trying to take advantage of some opportunity. Right. Exactly. It absolutely makes sense. And I'm, I'm such a, obviously I think, I think marketing is, is everything. And so, so critical to your business. It's funny, just like I, there's the, uh, a lady I go to, to get my, um, my manicures and pedicures. And mm-hmm. I, 
was visiting with her, not visiting with her. I was getting, you know, my, my nails done with her and we were just chatting and she was at this new salon. And then she says, I'm going to be moving to another salon. And I said, why you just moved to this one? She said, yeah, they just opened it up and it's a beautiful salon. So great. Right in Solana beach. And I'm like, (laughs) Oh, why are they moving already? And she says, well, the owner doesn't want to spend any advertising dollars. She won't put, she won't put any ads into the, you know, the little, uh, coupon books. She won't put up any signage. She won't put, she, she won't do anything because she thinks it's all going to happen. Just word of mouth and word of mouth is great. But, and it was so funny to me and I'm just like, wow. And so sure enough, they're going out of business. They lost like four employees and now this lady moved, you know, to another salon. And you see that happen with, with people because they just, like you said, they're not they're kind of just so focused on, which is good to be focused on what you're providing the service and everything, but there's so many different parts when you're a business owner, you know, there, there is the marketing, there is the, how do you keep your, your clients? How do you um, keep your team happy? How do you build it? There's so many different pieces and people really do forget and just go, well, I'll get to that in time, or I don't have the money now. As soon as I have this many clients, then I'll spend money on the advertising and marketing. Yeah, there's a lot of that, that, that uh, you know, sort of putting the cart before the horse. That, mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if I, uh, once I get to this level, then I'll spend money on marketing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and also the same thing, like, you know, how much money do you put in to set up a salon like that or something, but then not put some money into marketing? Right. And I think another piece of it is that, that I, and I, I think our society sort of, um, trains people like in school and everything that, that making mistakes and failing is a bad thing. And, and so marketing, it involves a lot of testing and experimentation and failing. And so I think sometimes people are so afraid, like, what if I spend that money on this ad and it doesn't work? And they think that would be a bad thing when really that's what you need to do to test and get it right. Right. And so um, true. You know, I, I I was talking to somebody one time, and they were they were talking about how um, they had spent like 500 bucks on this one ad, and then this was somebody who's making a lot of money, you know, driving a, a really nice car, had a really big house, like you know, somebody who can easily afford to, to spend 500 bucks on an ad, and their their wife was like totally freaking out, like, what if that 500 dollars doesn't return anything, or aren't you crazy for spending 500 dollars? And it was just this mindset thing, like. Um, it's okay to spend money on all this other stuff, on the car, on the house, on the business, on, on all this stuff, but $500 in advertising, that's like, maybe yeah. we're scammed or maybe that's not going to work. It's just a weird mindset thing. It is. It is. So I have a, um, I have a question that I wanted to ask you because I think that we could, we probably have a, um, similar situation in that, you know, we do our business, the draw shop we do custom animation videos. So whether it's cartoon, it's whiteboard, it's all live artists doing custom videos. And sometimes we get uh, potential clients that say that, that don't work with us because they say, well, we're going to go with the, um, you know, it's like the do it yourself software. So I can do, I, we can just do it ourselves. And, and I will tell you, we have a pretty large percentage of those people who have went out and tried it and then they'll come back and, and work with us because they'll get frustrated. 
but they're still that's still a competitor even though they're doing something different it's still a competitor and i would imagine you have the same thing in terms of working with somebody who's building a website right or mm-hmm. there's those do it yourself style you know build your own website so how do you like how do you deal with that type of competition or that kind of how do you respond to people like that that are saying, well, I want to do this instead. I'm going to do it myself because it's cheaper. Yeah, that's a really good question. And that's, you know, anytime I'm working with freelancers or any, you know, agency owners, that's a big, a big one that comes up. Um, I think one, you know, part of it is like you mentioned, just, you know, some people are going to go with the cheapest option and some of them may be back when it doesn't work out. Um, but I think a lot of it comes I think I think the one sort of mistake people make is that they that they're they focus too much on how do you convince somebody to go with you instead of the that alternative as opposed to um how how can we do the marketing in the right way that we get more of the right people mm. um, yeah and and I, and I think it's about creating the marketing in a way that the marketing attracts the marketing needs to to talk about the the results and the, the the value that you're providing, um, and then attract the people that want the results and want the value, and not that want the cheapest option. Um, and and so so for instance, I, I've seen this a couple times with web designers where they'll tell me, you know, I'm targeting this industry and nobody in that industry ever wants to pay very much, and they always fight us on price and all this stuff. And then I'll look at their website. And their website will say, "We build cheap websites," or you know, their the emails to their email list will be, you know, call us today and get a big discount on your website. And so they're they're getting all these people that want cheap websites and want discounts on their websites because that's the message that they're putting out into the market. Right. Um, so I think that's a big piece of it. How can the mar- how can you take your marketing and make it more and more and more focused on? the results and the value. So it attracts the right people. Yes, exactly. So speaking of which I'm, there's, you know, a lot of people are getting their, their leads, um, through Google AdWords and, and doing paid advertising. So obviously your messaging has to be pretty clear. If you're trying to attract pretty clear to the person you're trying to attract, what are what kind of tips or, um, advice can you give in terms of how your how your messaging is speaking to them? Yeah, so one thing on you know, one very specific tip for Google AdWords specifically, because we do a lot of, of AdWords, is you know I found one of the keys to, to AdWords is to actually put your your price or your starting price right in the ad, so that you don't get clicks from all the people that are looking for, looking for a cheaper solution. Yes. Yeah. So you create an ad that has a starting price in it. The ad talks about the the results and the value, and and that results in the the right people clicking on your ad in the first place. So I think that's a that's a good tip. Right. No, that that is great. Um, kind of weed out the people. <laughs> then, and you may even be, and I'm sure you can attest to this, you may be spending more dollars for those type ads, but it ends up working out in the end because you're getting very qualified leads. Exactly. I, I found that that's the key with Google AdWords. Everybody wants, how can I come up with some keywords that will give me cheaper clicks and stuff like that? But 
really it's a it's a matter of how can I get my ad in front of the very best people um, and and as long as you're in front of the really best people, the cost per click almost doesn't matter. Exactly. So true. It's the same with um, social media. When you think about the followers, people can pay for a ton of likes, but if those people aren't engaging and aren't really interested and you, it's just because you have the number of likes, it's not going to matter. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's, it almost relates back to what we talked about before about doing marketing consistently. And, you know, people, people almost go in with this approach that, you know, I'm going to do some Facebook, I'm going to do all these different things and I'm going to get some likes. And they're not really focused on what actually matters, which is the, the getting of the clients and the making of ROI. Right. Exactly. Now we, we have, um, we do have an in-house team, but we also have a virtual team and most businesses that I know have virtual teams because that's just the way the world is now. And with technology, we can literally, you know, have employees in London or wherever. Um, what are some tips though, that you have, because I imagine, you know, especially if you're, if you're a freelance designer or if you're doing this type stuff, talent is, can be found all over the world. You don't have to be right in your, in your own city. What are your tips though, for building a a successful and working with a, a virtual team? Yeah, that's you know I I I love I love the virtual uh, strategy. I remember when I sort of first first started to get the point where I was too busy. I I, I had my first uh, first ten thousand dollar month in my web design business and realized that I'd spent way too many hours and it wasn't sustainable. Yeah, and so I had to do something. And I saw all the people who had um, people I knew who had successful web design agencies, but had big offices with big teams and stuff like that. And I saw how they had grown their revenue, but not their profit because they were having to pay all this payroll and everything. And so I I made this decision that I wanted to have the leanest possible team and businesses I could. Um, So in terms of strategies, I think the, the biggest thing is that you need to get really, really clear on what task or what role the virtual person is going to fill. Yeah. I think, you know, I, you know, if you have an office and you're bringing somebody in, that's going to sit next to you all, all day, you can sort of, you know, hire them and sort of as, you know, show them, Hey, go ahead and do this. And, and sort of that kind of thing. But when somebody's virtual or maybe they're in another time zone or something, it needs to be really clear. You need to figure out, I'm bringing on this person that's going to do this one phase of the projects, or this person is going to manage this particular thing and make it really, really clear. And I think the uh, when I see people who've tried to bring on virtual team members and it doesn't work, and they're telling me, how do you find good people? Everybody I find is terrible. It usually turns out to be that the person hasn't was not clear enough with that person that they brought on about exactly what they're their role was and what phase of the project they were doing and and that kind of thing. Um, So I think that's really key. I love that you're saying that because I, I I work that way myself. I want to be extremely clear, you know, even when it comes to meetings, I want to be extremely clear with, okay, what are my, what are my marching orders now? What is each person in charge of and what are they going to execute on? And it has to be super clear. 
we um, and we do that. We're the same with our um, virtual team. Is that there's certain people, and this these are the only things that they are responsible for, and they are in their lane, and they're not crossing over because then there's no confusion. I mean, they're going to interact with each other, but there's one person that's in charge of these certain things, and and we'll do that using um, we use Trello just to you know keep the tasks and everything like pretty organized, and of course there's Slack as well. What, what kind of tools do you use with your team to keep things, to, to manage those projects? Yeah, the, I've tried all kinds of different things. The, the one I ended up really liking was Asana. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Asana, pretty much Asana is the main thing. Um, we use 17 hats also for managing a lot of the operations of the business, but in terms of team member communication, Asana is my favorite. Asana is great. I've worked with Asana. Our, t- our team for uh, projects with clients uses um, Basecamp, which is a little, it's kind of similar to Asana, I think, based on my experience. <laughs> but Asana is a yeah. great one. I think, yeah, Basecamp always looked a lot better for working with with t- with clients that needed to maybe interact with a, with a system. Right. Um, yeah. Very cool. There's so many, there's so many out there and it probably, it does matter what kind of business you're in as well in terms of what management project management software you're going to use. So what's, uh, um, for somebody who's, you know, even in high school, because I mean, there's, you know, uh, it seems like most of the entrepreneurs I speak with have, they've, they kind of had something going on even as a young kid that showed that, entrepreneurial spirit and and character within them, whether it was, you know, doing their buying candy and selling it for a higher price, (laughs) going out and, and, you know, marketing to their, to their neighbors on all the things that they could do. And then actually like my husband had a, was mowing lawns and then ended up turning that into a business at a really young age. I think he was in um, high school and actually sold the business and then hi- you know had hired on some helpers and then sold the wow, business. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, people just have these, you know, these experiences that kind of show early on that this is, this is where their head's at. They're already about creating their own um, businesses. What advice do you have for a young person, you know, like a teenager right now who is already thinking, I don't want to work for somebody else. I want to I want to work and build my own dream. Yeah, absolutely. My my always always my go-to advice for people is that they need to get into business and start learning, you know, rather than waiting for that that next that that brilliant, you know, Facebook level idea. I think that that people underestimate how much how much there is to learn about business and marketing and that kind of thing and you're better off to just to sort of get into any business rather than waiting for that, waiting for some really unique idea to come along. Right. How, how would you say that, what's the way to, and I don't even know if there's like a, a really good answer for this, but sometimes it takes people years. Sometimes they know at a really young age what it is that that's going to light them up. What is it the the business that they should be going into? How can they find that passion, if you will, you know, to to do the thing that they were meant to do? How does somebody even find that? Or do you think that's just uh, something that comes with time? 
Yeah, I think that I think that comes with, with I think that comes with time, and I I don't even you know. I feel like with myself, I'm still I'm not even sure if I figured that out for myself. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's a it's. I think if you wait to come up to if you wait to figure that out, or if you wait to get that perfect idea before you actually do anything, you'll probably never do anything. Right. Um, and so you need to you need to find something that that you can something that you can get excited about in the short term and you can get your hands dirty with and run with it and see what happens next. Yeah. Do you work with a, a coach, like an executive coach or mentor? I've done all kinds of things. I've had, I've had coaches, I've had all kinds of mentors. I'm a part of a, a few um, sort of high level mastermind groups where we get together a few times a year now. Um, that's been, been incredibly important. Um, I think to my success has been finding, finding people above me and getting, um, being comfortable in those situations where I'm the, the least successful person in the group or, totally. or that kind of thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think it's just, you get so, um, you can easily get stuck into the day-to-day business that, that you're running and you sometimes aren't learning other things that are going on and you need to constantly bring that into your business. I'm such a huge advocate for, um, high level, you know, groups, not too many. I know there's some people that are just like (laughs) every other day, they're at a new (laughs) seminar or something like that. And that can get overwhelming. And then you're actually never really have the time to bring it into your business. But, um, yeah, I think it's, it's so important to do that. What are some, um, what are some, books that have greatly influenced you and your career? Uh, let's see. Um, the, one of the books I always recommend to people is psycho cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. Oh, okay. Um, he, he basically talks about how everybody has a sort of an identity or self image and that it's very hard for people to, um, do things in the real world that are, not in alignment with their self image or their identity. And so he talks about uh, in that book about doing affirmations and different things to sort of redesign your self image and redesign your identity so that you can have the self image and the identity of the, of the things that you want to do out in the real world. Right. And so that's, that's really one that uh, I I think everybody should read that and, and go to work, uh, go to work trying to de- develop the, the, the right self image and the right identity, because it's, I think, um, probably more important than a lot of the marketing tactics and sales strategies and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. What's it like for someone to work with you once they come to, you know, they're, they're wanting to build their, their own agency. What level are they usually at? Is it various levels? What's it like? Yeah. I mean, we've worked with everybody from people who were, you know, had full-time jobs at agencies and were looking to, you know, maybe they'd done a couple freelance projects and they were looking to go full-time with the freelance business and turn that into their own agency. All the way up to people, we've worked with people that were already making seven figures in their agency. Um, But the the thing that's that's universally the case with anybody that we work with is that they're, um, they're really looking to switch from the, that sort of, hunter gatherer going out and just looking for any random opportunities 
to having a real solid business model. And so that, that so that's what we work on. We look, work on what are they going to specialize in? We work on productizing their offers and actually setting pricing so that um, it's not just shooting from the hip in terms of pricing. It's actually we have these productized offers. And then we work on the, the marketing piece of uh, getting some sort of a consistent marketing in place so that uh, they can get clients consistently and reliably rather than um, sort of scrambling all the time or trying to do a million different things to pick up a client here and there. Right, exactly. And are you, so you've got a, are you like a team of different advisors or how, how are you kind of set up? It's primarily people are working primarily with me. Okay. Um, you know, we're, we're building a community and I'm looking to bring on some other people, but uh, primarily they're, they're working either one-on-one with me or, or with me via a group. Awesome. Well, I'd love our listeners to be able to find out more about you and what what you're up to. And um, I think, you know, we actually do have some, we have an audience of, of those that are that are freelancers that are, that have uh, digital agencies and all that good stuff. Where can they find more information about you? Yeah, absolutely. You can go to joekasherba.com and get in touch with me that way. And there's a, there's a information on there about a, a free webinar that we do periodically. That's it's a great nine. It's a 90 minute webinar with a ton of value and, and actionable information in there. That's worth, worth uh, taking a look at. Awesome. We'll, we'll put a, a link to that in our show notes and blog post. Um, this was awesome. So many, so many good tips and pieces of advice. Thank you. Absolutely. And we'll be talking to you soon. Thank you, Joe. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to today's Get Genius. You can learn more about The Draw Shop at www.thedrawshop.com on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Your home for kick-butt custom whiteboard marketing videos. Your ideas come to life. Thanks for listening. Please share, comment, and make any suggestions for future genius guests.